Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, what a privilege we have this week. We hear from the Gospel of Matthew, the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. One of the most beautiful and important sections of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus laying out for us his spiritual program. In some ways, this section of Matthew, these chapters 5, 6, 7, probably summarize his preaching when he would make his way around to these various towns and villages. This is probably the kind of thing he would say. It's all summed up here now in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to how it begins, by the way. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside. After he had sat down, his disciples gathered round him and he began to teach. All of that is symbolically charged. He went up on a mountainside. He's the new Moses. Moses went up the mountain to get the law. Jesus now is the new Moses. He's going to give a new law. More to it, he sits. In the ancient world, that was the position of authority. A teacher would sit. His disciples would be at his feet. So Jesus now, in the very solemn way, is teaching us about his vision, laying out his program. So we need to listen very carefully. That's the point here. How blessed are the poor in spirit. The reign of God is theirs. I think I told you before, the word used here, blessed, is makarios in Greek. Lucky, fortunate, happy. How happy you are if you're poor in spirit. What does this mean? Why is that important? And why is it the first of the Beatitudes? You might say because pride is the first of the sins. Pride is the greatest sin. I make myself the center of my life. My life's about me. I set the tone. I set the projects. I'm a self-fulfilling person. How often do we hear that in the culture? That's the oldest voice in the world. That's the voice of sin. Who's someone who's poor in spirit? Someone who's not proud. Not proud. You've emptied your own spirit, your own self, your own projects, your own plans, and you say, I now live for God. God's the center of my life. Paul summed it up, didn't he? It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. I have emptied myself that Jesus Christ might take up residence in me as the Lord of my life. That's why the first beatitude is so important. You want to be happy? Make yourself poor in spirit, that Christ's richness might dwell in you. Second beatitude, blessed too are the sorrowing. They shall be consoled. Peculiar, isn't it? How happy you are, how lucky, how blessed you are if you're sorrowing. Well, it's totally counterintuitive. What do you mean? I mean, the good life is the happy life, isn't it? You know, good feelings, feeling joyful, upbeat, 
happy. That's what you want. Sorrowing. What does Jesus know here? That sometimes doing the right thing, doing the best thing, doing what God wants means I have anything but good feelings. Look at the lives of all the saints. I don't know one saint for whom suffering was not a structuring element in his or her life. Not because they're masochists. I don't mean that. I mean when you walk the way of love, love is the center of your life, not pleasure, not making your life pleasant, but love. That'll cost you. It always does. So how lucky you are, how blessed you are, Makarios, if you know how to sorrow, you're not addicted to good feelings. Next he says, Blessed are the lowly, they shall inherit the land. Some translations have it, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, this is totally counterintuitive. It seems, on the surface of it, absurd. What do you mean the meek will inherit the earth? If history teaches us one lesson, it's that the powerful, the ruthless, the bold, they're the ones that inherit the earth. You know, from the ancient emperors up through the Roman emperors, Julius Caesar, all the way up to Napoleon in the modern day, Talk about politicians today. They're not meek. I've never seen a meek politician, have you? The people that inherit the earth seem to be pretty gutsy, bold, ruthless people. But yet, here's this claim. How lucky you are, blessed you are, if you're lowly and meek, because you'll inherit the earth. You know, there is a counter lesson you can see up and down the centuries. Yes, it appears as though these ruthless people, they're the ones that inherit the earth, but the poets teach us, the novelists teach us, from Shakespeare all the way up to Tom Wolfe today, that these people also suffer enormous psychological and spiritual debility. That when we are so hooked onto the goods and values of this world, that we become ruthless in their pursuit, we make ourselves interiorly miserable. Blessed are those who are detached from earthly power, earthly honors, earthly glory. Who needs it in the end? It frees you for what's truly good, which is doing God's will. So blessed are you if you're meek and lowly. Which leads now right into the next beatitude. Listen. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for holiness. They shall have their fill. Now listen. You might have gotten the impression from this last beatitude that, well, Christians ought to be just, just passive people. You know, I'm meek and mild. I have no great ambitions. I'm not a worldly guy. It doesn't mean meek and mild in that sense. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for holiness. Yes, you should eschew the values of the world. Who needs them? All the pomp and glory and honor of the world. Who needs it? But precisely because you set those things aside, you know how and what to desire. Now, listen, every energy in you, every psychological, physical, and spiritual energy in you should be focused on God's righteousness, on holiness and justice. Yes, 
Hunger and thirst for those, and then you will be happy, full of beatitude. The great saints, they weren't passive figures. Not one of them. They hungered and thirsted for righteousness. They knew where to spend their energies. So should we. Next, blessed are they who show mercy. Mercy shall be theirs. Friends, God is mercy. Hesed is the word in Hebrew. It's often used of God. God is merciful, compassionate. That word's lovely, of course, compassion, from the Latin cum pati, to suffer with. When you're full of compassion, that means you enter in to the suffering of the other. You feel someone else's feelings. You enter into their joys, you enter into their anguish, you enter into their pain. That's what compassion means, and that's what God is. God is by nature compassion. God is love. Therefore, how blessed you are if you live like God as a person of mercy. Rule of thumb, take it to the bank. You're feeling depressed, you're feeling unhappy. No matter where you are, no matter what stage of life you're at, you're feeling unhappy, engage in a simple act of compassionate love. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it'll lift your spirit. How happy you are if you're merciful. Next, blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall see God. That's terrific. In some ways, it's the great theme of the New Testament. I've spoken before about being centered like the rose window. I know I use that symbol a lot. Christ in the center, all the elements of the rose organized harmoniously around it. The idea is, when your life is about one thing, your life is about Jesus Christ, above all, in all, then the rest of your life falls into harmony around it. It's when we're split and divided, like that Capernaum demoniac. What do you want of us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? When we're like him, we've lost our bearing, we've lost our anchor, our center, then our lives are a mess. How happy you are if your life is about one thing. It's about Jesus. And your mind and your will and your passions and your body and everything in you serves him. That's what it means to be single-hearted. Blessed, too, are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. That's wonderful, isn't it? Peace. Shalom. The first word of Jesus, the risen Jesus, to his disciples. Shalom. Peace. It means friendship with God. It means all that's good. It means full flourishing. Our God is a God of peace. Creation is a nonviolent act. Through a sheerly generous act of God's love, he brings the world into being. Redemption is a nonviolent act. After the terrible violence of the cross, Jesus returns with the word of shalom on his lips peace. How happy we are, makarios, blessed, when we become like God, peacemakers. Mind you, Christians, now, you don't just wait around for peace to break out. Wouldn't it be nice if the world were peaceful? 
We must be peacemakers. Peace is not something that just happens by chance. Paul VI said, peace is the fruit of justice. Quite right. You want peace? Work for justice. Become someone who, in all his gestures, creates the conditions for peace. That's the Christian life. How lucky you are if you found that. You know how to live it. Last one. Blessed are those persecuted for holiness' sake. The reign of God is theirs. Persecuted. Will you be opposed when you walk the way of Jesus? Yes. Period. Yes. The world, organized against the ways of God, will rise up to meet you and rise up to oppose you. And the more you walk in the path of Jesus, the more you'll be opposed. You want to measure how well you're doing in the spiritual life? One of the surest measures there is, is the level of your opposition. Hey, I'm okay, you're okay, I'm going through life very easily. No one's really opposed to me. You're not walking the path. All the saints, in their own way, were persecuted. The more you walk it, the more you'll be opposed. Therefore, blessed are you, happy are you, when you're persecuted. You know that you're on the right path. All the Beatitudes finally describe Christ and Christ crucified. Poor in spirit, yes, think of Jesus on the cross. Sorrowing, think of Christ crucified. The lowly, yes, Christ on the cross. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness, Christ on the cross. Merciful, Jesus' whole heart. Single-hearted, doing the will of his Father. Making peace, yes, through the blood of his cross. Persecuted for holiness' sake, yes, at the hands of his enemies. Be like unto Christ Jesus. That's what it means to follow the Beatitudes. And you know what? You'll be happy when you do. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.